0: The scripture reading this morning is from Matthew five thirteen through 16 You are the salt of the earth, but, is the salt, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. Well, you know, a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, Vicky and I started our life together. We were still teenagers, but we got married, anyways. I think my dad thought we were pretty silly, but anyways, we uh, started to attend a medium-sized church on the uh, northwest end of Cincinnati called Grossbeck United Methodist Church. And that's not, it's Gross, spelled G-O-E-S, not G-R-O-S-S. Just so you know. Great church. So we showed up for worship one Sunday morning and we were greeted at the door by a young couple, Marvin and Donna, dear friends. They soon invited us to their home for a cookout, and we were introduced to backyard grilling and Duke's mayonnaise. <laughs> Later that summer, somewhere near my August birthday, Marvin and Donna presented me with two wrapped gifts and a card with a note in it. The note had me look up that scripture that Connie just read, and it told me to open the first. Package, So I did. You know what was in it? A pound of salt. So the note said, open up the second package. So I did. You know what was in it? A light bulb. Marvin and Donna had started praying into my life. way back then. And I got to tell you folks, I'm very thankful for their spiritual encouragement over 40 years ago. So let's uh, dig into this salt and life passage that Jesus gave us on the Sermon on the Mount. I'm going to borrow some notes from a sermon series preached at uh, Claremont First UMC in Florida. And that's where we hang out when you guys are scraping windshields and, and shoveling snow. So I want to I uh, publicly thank Pastors Doug Cox, Don Carter, and Mac Macanano for their insight. Let's, uh, let's pray. Heavenly Father, for the next few minutes, help us put aside all the things that distract us. Help us just focus on you and focus on what you'd have us here today. We love you. We thank you for being our God always. In the name of Jesus, everybody said, Amen. Does anybody watch cooking shows? No, it's not for me, but I heard about one that had some sermon fodder that had something to do with salt. So I watched exactly one episode of one show, just to see, just looking for some clues. So this was a show where they pick a country and then invite all these international chefs to make something from that country. So they make these incredible dishes, you know, stuff that we would never, ever cook at home. And you know what the judges sometimes criticize them for salt. Too much or too little. So they make these incredible dishes, and they get blasted for not enough salt. So sometimes our success and failure depends on something as simple and common as salt. So we know salt's pretty useful. We just talked about it with the kids, kind of. Jesus used salt to make some very important points. He said that we are the salt of the earth. So, we're going to talk about that a little bit. But, I want to start with the back story. This, is, this takes place real early in Jesus' ministry, the Sermon on the Mount. It's Matthew 5, 6, and 7. It's, it's a long sermon. No. Don't worry, mine's not. But we need to understand where Jesus and the disciples are when Jesus uh, talks about the salt analogy. When we hear that we are salt, our spirits should be ignited in our hearts. And My prayer is at the end of this message, we'll feel that. So, let's put ourselves into the Sermon on the Mount setting there at the beginning of Matthew. We're going to sit down on the hillside with the disciples and listen. Again, be prepared to listen to Jesus. So, up to this point, Jesus was baptized by John. That was in chapter 3. He gathered a few disciples in chapter 4, was tempted by Satan, and he had been followed by lots and lots of people up to this point. He was starting to get really, really popular. But there's a strategic corner verse in chapter 4. John the Baptist was thrown into prison. And Jesus picks up his mantle, picks up his position, picks up his message. And he says, and he makes a statement, for uh, Matthew 4.17. Right? This, we're not at the Sermon on the Mount yet, but we're getting up to that point. Jesus says, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So, same thing John was saying, but now it comes from Jesus. Remember the guy who's getting really, really popular as a Jewish rabbi. Jesus said that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That's what he told the people. So he comes to the hillside. He finds a good spot to preach. His disciples gather close. The people that are closest to him are thinking, Whoa! This guy's way more legit than we thought at first. I gotta hear everything he says. Did he really say the kingdom of God is at hand? Now this is a Jewish teacher speaking to Jewish crowd. The Jewish nation's an autonomous nation, but they are ruled by a human king. They're ruled by Rome. First century Israel. Now, we remember what happened in the Old Testament. So, go back. Go back. God told the people, you don't need a human king. I'll be your king. And what would everybody say? "Uh, We want to be like all the other nations. We want a king. So, God in his typical form, when we disobey, he gave them what they wanted. Right? Remember the first king, Saul? So anyways, you look back over all the kings in the Old Testament of Israel and Judah, a couple of them were okay, but most of them weren't. Things go downhill pretty quickly. Babylon comes in and rules, takes over. Persia comes in, takes over and now they're sitting as subjects of Rome so when Jesus says the kingdom is at hand these folks are hearing that God is about to take over this is a very bold statement everybody's now very curious they're anxiously wanting more of the story now between the kingdom is near that teaser and The you are salt, that we haven't quite got to yet, Jesus gives everybody, gives his listeners, the Beatitudes, the Blessed Ours. So, Jesus needs to explain who is blessed, because the Jewish people just heard that there is a kingdom of heaven coming. And in their culture at that time, first century Israel, not everybody is welcome everywhere. Not everybody's welcome in the church. Not everybody's invited into the kingdom. So they want to know who is welcome. The people are looking at Jesus and saying, well, if the kingdom of heaven's here, who gets in? Am I allowed in? Am I good enough? Am I in the club? Am I blessed? So Jesus gives them a list of who's blessed. And it's not what they expect. What do the Beatitudes say? Who's the kingdom of heaven for? Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, the merciful, the pure in heart, the peacemakers, those who are persecuted. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of bad things about you. So, who's blessed? Who gets in the kingdom? Jesus looks at him and says, The one who inherits my kingdom is meek, weak, poor in spirit. Those that are dependent on somebody else. Those that know they need a king. Those that know they need a savior. So you know why it's good that we are here in a community of seekers? It's because we know we're dependent on somebody else. We know we're dependent on a Savior. We know we need Jesus. We can't do it on our own. We can't earn our way into heaven. We don't have enough money. We don't have enough ability. We know that the Lord has already paid the price of admission. We are in the right spot. And I'm not talking about in the right pew or in the right church. I'm talking about our posture before God, our heart. So Jesus, with the Beatitudes, has told us who gets into heaven. told us that with a submissive heart you are blessed we know it's the posture not our position not our presentation not our performance that gets us in it's our posture it's our salvation our spirit our submission that's it now we know now they know So what do we do next? Now comes the salt verse. You are the salt of the earth. But, if the salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? That's a rhetorical question. It's not. No longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. Salt. The disciples were salt, you're salt, I'm salt. So what's that mean? Salt's tasty, we know that. Adds flavor. So now we're thinking, oh, we understand. We're salt, and the world just needs us to be sprinkled on it a little bit. The world needs some of our belief, they need some of our comfort, they need some of our faith, they need some of our hope. We just need to sprinkle it around a little bit, make the world taste better. That's who we are. Well, that's true. We are useful. We do make the world taste better, but uh, that's just part of it. That's just part of our story. We bring life to things and make the world a more flavorful place. But I think... Jesus was being much more intentional than that. Remember, he was talking to first century Jews. He says, regardless of what's going on, people, know that you are valued by God. Salt has value. Salt is used for money. You could get your salary in salt. That's how valuable it was. You're worthy. God loves you. Salt has a high value. You have a high value. But not only as a seasoning and preservative, salt's also a fertilizer. Now, we know that. We take soil samples to figure out what we need this season for the best crop performance, right? And then we call the egg supply and order our fertilizer. You know, so much nitrogen, so much phosphorus, so much potash. Well, does anybody know what potash is? What's the main ingredient in potash? Potassium. How is potassium delivered? As a salt. potassium chloride. That's what potash is. You can buy it at Walmart. They call it a salt substitute. but It's really a sodium substitute. The first century farmers, they didn't have an egg supply. They had the Dead Sea. And the Dead Sea, if you scraped The the banks of the Dead Sea, you know what you get? Potash. And lots of it. And today, the Dead Sea has huge mining operations that are supplying a great percentage of the world's potash. So, the salt that came from that area of the world was very well known to all these first century Jews that are listening to Jesus right here. They know what the salt is. They know where it comes from and what it's for. It's a perfect additive for our soil. It promotes plant growth, increases yield and disease resistance, and enhances water preservation. According to Wikipedia, But, if the fertilizer is more dirt than salt, what's it good for? Just throw it on the ground and walk on it. Isn't that what the scripture says? So we need to realize that if we are salt, we're also this culture's fertilizer. We can treat the world as if we just need to sprinkle a little bit of ourselves around and everything will be okay, but we're not here in this place. We don't gather, open the Holy Scriptures, just so we can go out and say, have a nice day. Jesus is telling us in his salt analogy that I want you to be ingrained in the culture. Hmm. Not so that the world will rule over you, You know, that'd be like the unsalty potash that gets turned into a roadbed. But we need to be more than just a sprinkled top coat. We need to be dug into the culture, a foundation of relationship, getting into the soil of our community. That's our challenge, directly from Jesus to us, to be the people that make it, that are nice to have around, that flavor the world, and... We enhance the soil. We enhance the culture. When we walk out of here today, when the service is over, let's think of the outside, past the door, as our mission field. We're going to go into mission. We're all missionaries. Let's leave here differently than we came in. Every Sunday morning, we expect to learn something new and have new tools for ministry. Jesus wants us to be changed and molded and transformed. Romans 12, 1. Now, maybe it's for the folks in your office, maybe it's for your friends, maybe it's for the people at school or your professional contacts, You know, your vendors or your, or your customers. Maybe it's for your boss. But there's people out there with a longing in their soul for something, but they don't know what it is. They're wandering aimlessly so far from Jesus. Maybe it's someone in your own family. Maybe there's someone really close to you that God is diligently working on. And you can help. You see, we don't just gather here to feel good and get good advice about living our best life ever. Apologies to Joel. We come together to get tools and then go out into the mission field to be the salt of the earth. We're not just going to sprinkle around what we've heard, but we're going to go out and live Jesus. We're called to be ingrained in the soil of our community, and that's how we live out our mission statement. We grow and challenge and transform and help others do the same. So, let's be the believers that depend on the Holy Spirit today to make crucial decisions, not only when we're at church, but when we're at home and on the job. When you're thinking about who you're going to hire or fire, who you're gonna, or how you're going to manage the budget this month, what projects you're going to tackle, who you're going to spend time with on Friday evening, Invite God to infuse every part of your life. We're called to be more than just be a Christian. We're called to be a person who is encouraged, is so encouraged, and so led by the Holy Spirit that other people see it before they hear it. So don't just be an example on the outside but be an example from the inside of the community, every group that you are involved with may be impacted by Jesus if you let it. But that's who we're called to be. You're going to be think of this fertilizer analogy. And that's when we become really salty, when we're ingrained in the culture and let Jesus shine through. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you understanding that we are ragged, broken, false, faulty, and we need a Savior. Lord, we'll go into the world and break bread with people who don't know who you are. We'll pray over our family members who are distant from you. We'll pray into our offices and schools for people who don't know your name yet. We won't just share it, Lord. We want to be ingrained in the lives of people who are far from you. Help us to be your salt in the earth. Transform us here so that we can transform the world out there. We love you, and it's in your name we pray. Amen.